welcome to episode 218 of the Canadian Prepper Podcast. We are recording on October the 15th, 2023. Uh, I'm Jeff. I'm your host of the show tonight. I'm based in central Ontario, a target shooter, ham radio operator, general overall handyman, and weather nerd. My name is Pierre. I'm a tactical beard owner, t-shirt designer wannabe, wannabe prepper, government critique, and the reason we hit the explicit button. And just so you know, I have no idea where the explicit button is, Pierre, so have at it. Oh, I am having so much fucking fun tonight. <laughs> We're pooched now. And I'm the Frigo Gunny. Recently moved to Northern Ontario in the middle of nowhere. I'm an off-grader, a shooter, a hunter, fisher, gatherer, trapper type, and a bit of a generalist. I only recently came to accept that I'm a prepper. And I'm Bat Brad in Eastern Ontario, part-time amateur prepper, always trying to better myself. If you want to help support the show, embrace communism and buy some swag. We have both the CP Canadian Prepper Podcast T-shirt and tactical Velcro patch at www.prepperpodcast.ca. All proceeds help keep the lights on and the backup generator fueled and cover our broadcast loss. So I added an extra and, and I'm really bad at English. Apparently. Yeah, and that's embrace consumerism, not communism, but close enough. <laughs> Exactly. Yeah, I mean, words are hard. <laughs> my, 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 my train of thoughts kind of goes. We're just, we're just after a great start. Yeah. <laughs> hey, if you're enjoying the show, please take a few minutes and submit a review on iTunes or wherever you may have found us. We seriously want your feedback, whether good or bad. If it's just a topic you want us to cover or something you learned that this week, that's fine. You can email us at feedback at pepperpodcast.ca. Or, or send feedback to let me know where I can get English courses for very cheap, because apparently I can't read. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to have fun today. <laughs> well, we've got some motorized content for you in this episode. Uh, so we're going to start off with some relevant news. We're going to update our personal preps, and then we'll get into the main topic, which is uh, small engines. So I don't really have anything for the news except to just say... You know, we're not going to get into what is going on. We've all heard about it. But just with everything going on in the world right now, uh, just keep your situational awareness about you. Keep your eyes on, you know, potential protests on both sides of the topic and whatever. So, you know, uh, just just be careful out there and uh, keep your wits about you. Absolutely. Yeah. <clears throat> um, so I learned some computer stuff thanks to a good... Uh, good friend that is also on the show tonight came over to set up the new computer and the amount of stuff I learned, I want to now burn it. It was um, not me. No. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I, technology drives me nuts. Um, it's nice and I do this every night, but if I could, I would avoid doing it. Um, this is more packing because we're moving. Um, help some friend. Uh, they were installing some floor and I was like, hey, you want a hand? I want to learn. Um, so practice a good skill, learn how to do the floor, how he does it, which is not a wrong way, but depending who you talk might be the wrong way or whatever, but it was just good to, you know, put, uh, put some stuff aside and, you know, dust off some pants and, you know, listen and practice some skills that will hopefully become useful when we move. So yeah, that's about it. 
Anybody else got anything for the news section? Well, I got a couple of items, but not a whole, whole lot to add. Basically, just to keep your heads on a swivel, folks. Uh, I've been keeping an eye on the cyber side of things these days. There's a ton of cyber attacks left, right, and center. And as uh, Jeff already outlined, your physical security is more important than ever. Plan your movements accordingly. Have backup plans. And make sure you talk to people before you engage into movements, especially into cities, so that uh, people know where you're at and you have a way of getting hold of them, too. Those are good things to have. That's all I got. Absolutely. Yep. All right. So my bad. I did my prep stuff, turned the news stuff again. <laughs> uh, well, you know, Pierre, I gave you a pass on that. I was gonna, I was gonna mention that, but you know, I just yeah, no, gave the, the, no. But right after that, anything else for news? And I was like, well, I'm an idiot. Like, <laughs> bad, man. I, I don't know. Yeah. I think you just turned a shade of red there, Pierre. <laughs> no, it's probably the shitty lighting. See. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, oh, we're doing news. <laughs> you think oh, after is... how many shows, I know how everything goes, but my apologies. <laughs> so we'll, we'll edit that so that, uh, that goes in the right spot. My apologies. Okay. There we go. Uh, so, well, then we'll get into what we've done lately for preps. Uh, we'll just skip. I didn't do a, yeah, I didn't do a lot uh, these last couple of weeks. I closed up uh, the trailer for the winter. Drained all the water out, uh, pressure, put some pressure on it, blew all the lines out, put some RV antifreeze in the traps and stuff like that. Got everything all cleaned up and got it all cleaned up for the winter and went down and had Thanksgiving with my mom. Hope everybody else who's Canadian had a good Thanksgiving weekend and spent some time with your uh, your friends and family. Definitely did. I uh, enjoyed the Thanksgiving with my family and then... My other family, which included the other two guys on the podcast, um, didn't do a whole lot this week. Bunch of uh, shed reorganizing, a little bit of fuel rotation, a whole lot of work. Started a second job recently doing some food deliveries, trying to earn some extra prep cash and carrying on, carrying on. Very nice. Man, it's been a busy few weeks. Um not only did I do the Thanksgiving weekend thing with family and friends, and that was a great time. I had a good feed over at Pierre's. Had a little bit of fun there sharing some of the things I've unfortunately had to learn over the years. <laughs> or fortunately, <laughs> depending on which way you look at it. <laughs> uh, other than that, my gosh, I've been all over the place. I went up to the cabin to prep it for the winter. So I drained my rain barrels put all of my earth moving tools away, like the pickaxe and uh, some of the other things I didn't need anymore, put those away. And uh, I've now swapped the sled into the truck. It's nice to be able to bring your essentials out with you if you ever get a major, major uh, accident or you know failure of the truck somewhere, or maybe, I don't know, some things happen, right? And, and things, next thing you get marooned. So I got the sled in the back of the truck, that way I can grab a few things and walk away with all that if I need to. I dropped off some uh, maple hardwood that I had uh, cut down uh, from here at uh, my lady's place. Brought that up there. So I've got some hardwood for uh, the shed. Uh, sorry to uh, keep the cabin warm, not the shed. And uh, raised my solar panels up so that the snow wouldn't uh, 
pack onto them and then I wouldn't have any work to do when I get up there. So I'll just plug everything in, warm it up and it'll start working. I won't have to go out there and sweep the panels. And also to ensure that I get a uh, good sun coverage because the angle changes quite a bit up there when mm -hmm. uh, it's winter time. And uh, you'll also see if you've been following on my channel, I finally retrieved my snowmobile out of there using my rear winch uh, rig. And that worked out really well right uh, on the first try. So that was a lot of fun. And uh, I've also found my new work gig, man. It's been really busy. And now it's all about, okay, we've got the hunt. we got winter. And uh, probably going to maybe squeeze in some truck work in there before the snow hits. We'll see. So that's what I've been up to. It's been pretty, pretty busy. Are you trying to take Ian's job? <laughs> well, I was only gone for I was only gone two weeks, right? <laughs> we we don't have a uh, we haven't posted my picture on the back of a milk carton yet, have we? Uh, no, no, okay, no, not quite. Nope. All right, <laughs> I'll, I'll try and take you before we get to that point. We might have to do that for Ian, though. <laughs> All right. So, well, if there's uh, nothing else, that all sounds good. We'll move into the main topic, uh, which is small engines, maintenance, and, you know, getting your stuff kind of ready for the winter or ready to put away for the winter and just kind of some ideas, suggestions to throw around. So uh, I am not very much of an expert on this. I learned a lot from my dad, who was a uh, very much dabbled in small engines um, and just YouTubing stuff and that kind of stuff. So I, I'm, again, by no means uh, an expert, but I was able to get my my old generator running. So I pat myself on the back for that. Um, and anyways, at this point, um, I'll turn it over to who I would consider the real experts, Pierre and Gunny, and we'll just kind of, we'll just kind of go from there and have a chat. Anybody in the live chat's got some questions? Feel free to throw your questions in there, and we'll we'll do what we can to try and give you an answer. All right. So before before we go further, I still haven't seen a video with the audio, but the generator running. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. I'll uh, I'll get I'll get the audio I'll get the audio out because it uh, it definitely runs. Trust me. I, I I know you could tell it was running, but there's oh, yeah. weird. There was no audio. Um. So. I, I, I'm wondering if it had noise cancelling that I was too close and it just cancelled the noise out. I, maybe I don't know. Can phones can probably do that? Let that I, we're yeah. not going down that rabbit hole right now. <laughs> <laughs> That's a nice. Uh, so, um, okay, so I I've been fixing cars, equipment, pretty much anything that runs for the last uh, long 18, time, nineteen years. Um, I don't hold any tickets. I used to fix cars. I was an apprentice. I've done renovations. I've done stuff. I fix smaller-ish, small to mid equipment, um, diesel, gas. I'm talking skid steers, excavators, small backhoes. I do that for a living. That's literally what I get paid for. Um, so I'm fairly handy. Uh, I'm sure if someone went to school for a bunch of stuff, they might argue with some of the stuff I say. So right off the get-go, take some of the stuff of what we're probably going to talk about with, I won't say with a grain of salt, but like, you know, double check depending on make model, all these things. Um, these are kind of just guidelines to get you set up, you know, tool wise, comfortability wise, um, you know, maybe some questions that you're like, you know, 
is it worth uh, purchasing this compared to this to keep something longevity wise? Um, obviously, manufacturers kind of have their recommendations, but I'm like, I'll just bring you down the small rabbit hole of um, just the bare bones of how to get started to, you know, potentially save yourself having to bring your snowblower to a small engine guy uh, when none of the snowblowers work and you're waiting three weeks for it. Um, maybe, you know, take an hour and see if you can get it yourself. You might have to bring it to that guy, but if you can uh, save some of those steps, no, very faintly. Um, that's what we'll get into. That's kind of where I want to stay. I don't want to get into cars and trucks and trailers and stuff like that. So we're just going to do, you know, your your regular maintenance stuff, uh, your backup generator that you want to keep up and running in case the power goes out, snowblower, lawnmower, leaf blower, um, anything like that that would be more household prepper material other than your vehicle. Uh, that's where I'm thinking... We're going to go down. So I, I'm not an expert, um, but I can pretty much get 98% of anything that takes gas or diesel running if it's not running. So. Um, Quick question so, for you about yes. applicability. So yes. the reason I'm really, really interested in tonight's episode is that I have three small motors one of which is running the other two is not and they're both on uh, your typical uh, rig that people need to do season changes with so atv and snowmobile how applicable would what you would be talking about tonight would that be to those two kinds of platforms so a hundred percent other than electrical fantastic i can help right. with electrical if, if we're talking yeah. about that tonight, yeah but so i'm so very right, interested in the mechanical right, stuff when you're getting into atvs and snowblowers you've got um switches uh your tickle wire for your starter your accessory like a little bit more electrical um so i i kind of don't really want to touch too much on the electrical because i go down way too many rabbit holes and i explain shit horribly according to people i work with <laughs> when, like, like I, i'm like no this is what you need to do and they're like i don't know what you're talking about and i'm like this is what you need to do and i say it like i try and say it like three ways and then like i meet up with them and i show them what i'm talking about and they're like Oh, that's what you meant. And I'm like, so um, 90%, like, so give or take, engine needs three things to run. Spark, fuel, air. Spark, fuel, air. Right? If you don't got air, doesn't matter how good your, your spark is or your gas is. If you don't have gas, doesn't matter how good, right? And, I mean, I'll even throw in there, even though that's not the third thing, you need compression. If you got no compression, doesn't matter if you have gas, you know, or sorry, fuel, air, and spark. You can have all of those if you've got no compression in a cylinder. You got nothing. So you need three things to run, four things to run efficiently, I guess you could say, right? Um, so right off the get-go, um, knowing where your air intake is, where your air filters are, keeping a spare air filter. Um, if you work anywhere that's very, very dusty, um, lots of moisture as well as dusty, you're going to get a bunch of clay buildup in your air filters, in your intake manifolds, um, in your carbs, all that stuff. You know, if everything gets clogged up, it's, it just gets worse down the road. So you want to make sure you've got good airflow. You want to make sure you got 
good fuel, you want to make sure you got good spark. Good spark is all about without taking a whole engine apart, which we're not going to get into. Good spark plug, clean, good connection. You've got those three things. You can pretty much get and anything. As Fine. well as the gap, right? Uh, spark plug. So I'll, I'll get some flack for this. Gap, yes and no. Yeah, well, if it's if it's that big instead of being this big, or if it's if it's like that instead of being like that, that's going to affect it. So it's going to affect the efficiency of your spark, but you're still going to get spark. That's what I'm saying. You're going to get some flack for what I'm saying. It'll yeah. run. It may not run effectively, but if your spark plug, whether the gap is supposed to be at, you know, thirty thousandths of an inch, and you've got it at sixty thousandths of an inch. Um, the spark connection is still going to happen. It just may not yeah. be as strong of a, you, you know, like, yep. So like, if you've got spark, it doesn't need to be perfect spark. You got spark, you got fuel, you've got air, you've got compression. It should go bang and go, you know, <laughs> cause, cause the exhaust to work in a, in a nutshell. Um, as uh, Barrett Reed said here is in the live chat, he says, gap your spark plugs every time. Yes. Um, again, I'm not, I'm not a hundred percent with that. I don't get mine all the time, uh, as Pierre says. But if you can and you, you you're, yeah. you're comfortable with it, then absolutely do it. But it's it's not the end of the world. No, I, I, and I don't disagree. Um, they're fairly small tools. They're they're called spark plug gap tools. Um, you can get some that are kind of on the end of a screwdriver. They're about this big, or you can get some that literally go on your keychain. And the gap is thousands of an inch um, from the point where the spark happens to the ground. Like there's a small gap on a spark plug. And some machines require it to be at 30 thousandths of an inch, some uh, 45, uh, 450 of thousands of an inch. It just all depends on the motor or whatever. Yes, 100% if you can do it. Make sure they don't touch if you're off by 20, 30 thousandths of an inch. Uh, it's going to affect how efficient your engine runs. Um, but if you can get it to spark and run to save $2 worth of gas um, and getting your long cut before the rain or getting your driveway done before the freezing rain hits, yeah, it's going to clog up a few things, but I'm like, oh, that's manageable afterwards. Um, but yeah, if you can get one, 100%, have it in your toolbox, 100% do it to manufacturer specs um most of them have it written on the engine stamps or that sticker that most people probably don't have anymore if their engine is more than two years old um but if you've got the manuals um a quick thing i like to do for most of my stuff make myself uh cheat sheets those little um cards you can buy at the dollar store you buy 200 cards. yeah cue cards recipe cards whatever um you get something type of oil, quantity, part number for your spark plug, part number for your air filter, gap, uh, bare minimum fuel regulate. Um, I mean, that, that's a whole other rabbit hole, but fuel recommendation, um, things to keep maintained. Um, if it's your lawnmower, what type of blade it takes. Um, there are two different models out. If you can get all those specs, put it on one of those, um, throw it in that little toolbox you got. If you've got a laminator, know someone who's got a laminator, laminate it, 
throw it in there and forget about it. Doesn't matter about it. Two years down the road, when you can't find the old spark, the old spark bug blew up on you. You can't get the specs off it, and you can't get it out. This that, or you're unsure about the air filter, and you just want to go somewhere to pick it up and come back without having to take it out and go to six different stores. Um, that will save you a giant headache, especially because you never, you can never find the owner's manual when you need it. So going through those quick specs prior to that will save you a bunch of headaches. So that's one quick tip I've got for whatever you've got. Go through the owner's manual, make your little cheat sheet, save, save it on your phone, on your Google Drive, on the cloud thing before it rains and make sure you get your info because the cloud disappears when it rains. Um, you know, <laughs> do all that. <laughs> um, have that information easily available. Um, quick specs. Uh, I mean, last year I got Brad to, hey, grab me the spark plug. He was in town. I was at home and I was an idiot and waited for the snow to fall before I could get my snowblower running. And I was like, ah, is it the spark plug? I was like, you know what? It's probably going to be a few bucks. Order it up. It was something else, but, you know, hey, send, pick this up. They've got it here. He was able to pick it up. So I've got a spare one. Um, that's why I say I want to be a want to be prepper. I didn't have a spare spark plug. Um, <laughs> and you didn't so, even get it running before the snow flew. Yeah. No, that no. I was in the snow trying to get it figured out. It took me a few hours, but I got it running. Um, so that's normally what I tell people right off the get go. And there's an idea from Brian in the live chat. He says he writes all these specs on the engine with a paint pen. So he has yep. it there all the time. That is a good idea. If uh, I can yeah. add, if I can yeah. add one thing to that, Brian, depending on where you put it on the engine, take some packing tape and tape over it so it doesn't smudge off. Yeah, so mm -hmm. I, I use paint pens quite often for what I do for work. So we keep track of when we do oil changes. Um, just in case I'm not the next person to see it, we write with paint pens on the oil filters, this, that, lots of information, uh, torque specs for something and stuff like that. It is fantastic, but the last thing you want is to write all that on your snowblower and you're unable to put it inside your shed um, for some reason. And you leave it out back and you kind of forget about it. And then you take it out in the winter and the rain and sun got to it. And now you got half your specs it's gone i was i yeah. was just about to say would it would it disappear on you over time yeah it it, it will so if if you if you make it part of your you know your every sunday morning ritual of going to check it have at her um but that's an awesome way to have it in case you can't find your spreadsheets or you your phone died and you can't get onto your um your cloud base or whatever at least having that info there 100 percent. i won't disagree with that for sure. So I see Gunny's got a few questions, so we'll kind of throw it his way and kind of kind of run down from there and gain if anybody in the live chat has questions. Sounds great. I have I always have a million questions, but uh, one of the ones that persists across a lot of different people I talk to, and you know, I spoke to a mechanic recently about it, and he gave me an answer. And it was good, but I'm always wanting to know more. So I like to validate things. I don't just accept things at face value. I have trust issues. So <laughs> I heard that if you use anything other than premium fuel, that uh, the ethanol 
that's present and all the other grades of fuel cause all kinds of problems with your carbs and other systems. So um, that spooked me a long time ago. And so I immediately started using um, this high test stuff everywhere. And so I'm just wondering if that's really the case. What's your experience of that? Uh, so I, I'll agree and disagree. Um, so yes, it, it can add extra gunk into the carb. Uh, it doesn't burn as great in general. Um, but you have to be careful using premium. So if you were like, you bought yourself a new lawnmower and you're like, I'm only going to put premium in it. And you fill up a little jerry can. It's only like four liters. And then you s keep switching fuels from premium to 87 to premium to 87. That can cause issues. And that's due to the lack of everything and all that stuff. Um, so yes and no. So doing proper maintenance, um, learning how to take your carb apart, cleaning it, having spare parts, cleaning the jet in it, um, doing your oil changes, uh, changing your spark plug and all that stuff. If it gives you peace of mind, it's not going to break the bank. I, I don't disagree. Premium gas does burn better. Yes, 100%. Okay. Um, compared to 87, if you do your proper maintenance and everything, I don't see a giant advantage to it personally. That's just my theory and my experience. Like I, like I said, if it's got gas, I can pretty much get it to run. So not having that skill set and running premium will save or, or just push off that headache mm. at a later date. As, as if you're doing premium, you know, you're doing your proper maintenance and everything. Um, it'll be four years before you need to get your carb rebuilt compared to two years or three years if you're using really uh, questionable gas. Okay. That's, That's my take from Yeah. So I, I kind of, and again, I'm no, no expert on this. So Google was a bit of my friend and I've talked to other people who are small engine mechanics and they've kind of said the same thing and um, that there is an established body of evidence that demonstrates uh, fuel containing higher you know, 10% or Optic. more of ethanol uh, can affect the integrity of the plastic and rubber components in the small engines, causing clogging, overly high running temperatures and poor performance. So, yeah. and, and what they said to me was, uh, and it's the same thing with cars in that, that the older the vehicle is, the more susceptible it is to uh, ethanol causing yeah. that stuff to break down because back in the day when they built that motor, ethanol wasn't a thing yeah. and they didn't build the rubber and plastic components to be compatible with ethanol. Yeah, that makes sense. Now we've yeah. got a great uh, question and comment here from um, Philip Dow in, in our chat. Um, and I've, I've had that question myself and it's about stabilizer. Um, so there's all kinds of talks about what are the best kinds of stabilizers. And I know that's probably, yeah, I had that in there as one of my questions, but we'll go ahead and do it now while oh, we're at it. So. Yeah. Right on, right on. Can a stabilizer help? stave off that that breakdown from ethanol gasoline or or maybe even what do they call that uh, um fuel breakdown just or what's what's the other one there's are there octane boosters that's it would an octane booster help that at all or is that just no. all money so, down so, the drain so uh, octane booster is completely separate from stay for stabilizer 
So Octane Booster is adding additives to make it so you can take 87 and make it into 91 in a ballpark, right? Like in a nutshell, that's what Octane Booster is. Um, it adds a bunch of additives that will make your fuel run better. Um, so for this specific question, the marine grade stabilizer compared to conventional or conventional, sorry. Um, I have no experience in using the marine one compared to other stuff. The better your gas, you do? Yeah. Yeah. Have the, you found uh, a difference between your regular, the, the, like your regular fuel and marine grade one? The uh, fuel stabilizer stuff from uh, Canadian Tire works. It does its job. No big issue. Um, dealing with generators for a month-long running period every year for a Halloween ride. Um, we put them away in November, bring them back out in August, test them all, usually put stabilizer in the tank with a little bit of premium in it, have it run for a few minutes just to push the fuel through to everything, coats everything, and then put it away. Um, two of the exact same generators, one with the Seafoam Marine Grade, one with the conventional run-of-the-mill Canadian Tire stuff. The Seafoam, when we when we started that generator in August, two poles it was running, beautiful, no issues. Little puff of blue smoke, just getting everything's moving again, no big issue. The other one with the Canadian Tire brand took three or four poles, playing with the choke a little bit. It ran rough for the first maybe three minutes, and then it was purring like a kitten. You couldn't tell the difference between the two of them. All right, like I, most of the stuff I use is diesel. But most of the equipment I fix now is diesel. Um, all my gas stuff I just use. Um, so this will get controversial too about which stabilizer is best. I stand by most statements where sometimes you may have to pay a premium to get a better quality product. Those generic brands compared to a name brand one may not be the same this one's five dollars cheaper you know like would you trust gas that's half the price of a regular gas station <laughs> you know there's it, it falls down that same path um so depends are we on a reserve right so like that's pretty much the only ex exception and even there i find it kind of questionable um so using i'm not saying you gotta buy um deep purple engine oil at like $20 a quart because it's like racing oil. Um, but just at bare minimum following manufacturer specs and buying a reputable name brand fuel stabilizer. Um, all the stuff I use for the company I work with, we put it in 160 pieces of equipment, clean flow. It, I haven't had any issues, whether it's the diesel one or the gas one. Um, is there something that's better, more efficient in price? Sure. Maybe. I don't know. Um, I'm just going off personal experience for this. Use the clean flow stuff. And as Brad mentioned, if you're going to... So fuel stabilizer is used to put in something that you're going to store for a while. Don't just pour it in the gas tank and hope for the best. Pour it in the gas tank when it's fairly low. Um, almost to the point of no gas. Put fuel stabilizer in, put gas in it. If it's your lawnmower, kind of move it around, get 
two mixtures to mix up. Let it run for a little bit. Um, that'll help your carb not gum up as best as possible. Um, get it in the lines. Get it in this. It'll prolong the life of it long term. Definitely well worth the money. So as for the marine so, grade, I mean, I kind of want to try it out now because I've got some stuff I want to store. So I don't know. I guess we'll try it out and I'm going to have to store I, my lawnmower. I, <laughs> I've always used or at least for the last few years, used the Seafoam brand, and it seems to come highly recommended. Like Brad said, I have I have had zero issue with it. So, um, is it so any we'll extra go, money? We'll go, we'll go to this one. Yeah, it this is. comment, and then I'll I'll ask a question. So, yeah. uh, Barrett Reed kind of said, if I'm leaving gas in a mower or something like that over the winter, he uses premium. I'm assuming he says premium gas. If I'm constantly using the machine, I'll use regular. Um, if it evaporates in your carb regular it leaves more gunk behind i don't know the truth to that but um i mean so I, so we'll comment on that and then i've got my next question so pierre yeah. if you wanna um just a no so if you're using regular gas and using proper storage um so premium yes is better gas than regular gas i haven't found any issues um, I use regular gas in my lawnmower, my snowblower, everything. Because I'm like, nah, I don't, like, I've, got, I've always got regular gas at home. I don't want to worry about, oh, I'm out of um, premium, this, that. I haven't found any issues um, other than my last snowblower issue. But that was 100% on me for not doing proper previous maintenance and maintenance before the snow came. So I haven't found any issues with it. Um, that's just me. I've had this lawnmower for four years to five years. <laughs> I've had this snowblower three, four years. It's got an electric start. You know, push the button for two, three seconds, it starts. My push, my uh, lawnmower is a pole one, four or five poles. If I haven't started it all winter and it starts up, so I can't say 100% for that. Like I said, I'm not the perfect person. I'm not a, a guru that can tell you anything. Um, so doing regular maintenance and putting proper fuel and whatever when you store it, don't store it full. Store it with an eighth of a tank, enough to keep the bottom of your tank coated. So yeah. you're, yeah, enough of the bottom of the tank to get coated and your fuel line not exposed to elements. Turn your gas off. Let the engine choke out everything's good and then you're putting then maybe your first fill up put you know so a of good premium on it turn it on run it it'll get all mixed up it'll burn off that excess fuel okay so here's here's my next question yep uh, i've been told both ways of it so i don't know which ones yet is it bet if you have a fuel shut off is it better to turn that fuel shut off and run your run your your motor till it's out of fuel, um, or is it better to leave the fuel in the carburetor over the the winter? I've I've heard both ways. I've heard if you if you run it dry, the seals can dry out, the gaskets can dry out, like stuff can dry out. It's better to leave the fuel in. Other people say no, drain the fuel or or turn it off, run it out of fuel, and 
again, then in the, the spring or whatever, or fall, whenever you're using it, turn it back on and run it. Which, which way does anybody think is, is better? So I, 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 I've I, heard both. So I'd love to hear Pierre's answer. Here. <laughs> so, so what I tend to do when I store something is I normally, okay, I'm done with it. You know, you do your fuel maintenance, try and run it out. If I've just filled up expecting another snowfall, my fuel tank's full. I've got pinch off pliers, disconnect the line. I dump most of my fuel out, put some fuel in, some stabilizer. I'll normally run it through. And then I'll normally, as it's running, I'll turn my gas off. I don't necessarily let the engine choke out, but I tend for it to let it start running low, shut the machine off, and worry about it next summer or next season, I should say. <laughs> But that is also because I have no problems taking my carb apart and doing what needs to be done. Um, right. So, so I, I didn't I didn't realize that Barrett had put a comment in there before I asked that. Yeah. He said it's a good idea to shut your fuel off, let the motor run, die by itself, use up all the fuel in the carb, saves problems later. So okay, like, like I yeah. say again, I've 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 had I've heard both sides of the story, but yeah. for me, usually if I've got something with a shut off, the last couple of years that's what I've been doing is I've been letting it. I've been turning it off and letting it run out. Yeah. I, obviously, I put the seafoam in. I, I let it run for 10 minutes, make sure it's through the system, shut it off, let it run out, and I, I so, haven't had an issue. So, Yeah, and I, I pretty much let it run bone dry. I, like As it starts chugging out, I tend to just shut it off, leave a little bit of residue in there. That's just me. Um, but, I mean, gas can deteriorate anything petroleum based so all those rubber gaskets you're worried about uh, put an o-ring in a cup of gas for six months and let me know how it looks it's not pretty no good point now of course all this winterizing talk is not much of a problem if you keep running the machine over the winter time right yep um so we're, we're talking so i at this point i'm talking about winterizing your lawnmower to put it away to put it away but i wouldn't okay. change anything about your snowblower in the spring for the summer mm. it's going to be easier temperature isn't affected as much so you don't have to worry about um you know your gas freezing up which is kind of hard for gas to freeze up but it's possible depending on the where you get your gas the butter content on it so that's why stabilizer is very good for it that's another good advantage that we didn't even talk about while we were doing stabilizers um, your diesel, if anything's diesel, definitely fuel stabilizer helps prevent the diesel from coming up in case you need to run it, anything like that. Um, it'll help that water break down and all that stuff from freezing. So I'm not saying this is only for stuff you're putting away for the winter. I wouldn't change anything from your spring swap over. So all your winter stuff, do the exact same, put it away until the winter. Like it, it's not seasonal, right? Like do this and this uh, for your summer stuff and this for your winter stuff. Fuel stabilizer, 100%. Cleaning your carbs, cleaning, cleaning your spark plugs, cleaning your air filters, doing all that stuff, 100%. Does not matter time of year, do it. Okay. And and that was that was one comment that I, I kind of had in there and um, I'm sure Pierre and, and anybody else would agree with this. Um, Maintenance is cheaper than a repair. Keep your maintenance up on your 
your your your stuff. Do your do your oil changes when you need to. You know, don't let it sit for two years with the same fuel mm-hmm. in it. And never run it. Don't yep. you know? Doing your 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 proper maintenance is is so much cheaper than having to do a repair down the road. Yep. Very and, much. Agree on that. And and one hundred percent. Guess when you're going to need your snowblower to run, and you got to take it to the repair guy along with another ninety people. <laughs> so now you got Always. no snowblower for. And and, and, and and of course, as Murphy's law is, the day that you desperately need it is the day it's not going to run. And right. it's not, that's your own fault, right? So. And, and I'm not saying if you put stabilizer in it and clean your air filter, <laughs> you'll never have a problem. But it's going to help. But it's going to help that where, you know, as the winter goes on, you're like, this thing's not running that great, but it's still running. Yep. So in the spring, right, when everybody's trying to get their lawnmowers fixed, your lawnmower is already running. That you can take it over the summer and just be like, hey, can you, you know, check this out? And, oh, we need to do this, this, and this. Now you've got a better running law, uh, snowblower than last season, but it doesn't prevent any extra extra things right it just gets you out of that jam that when everybody breaks down now you're out of a snowblower for two weeks on your first snowfall with a lot of wet snow that's two feet right so got a question in the live chat from dave i don't know this might be a controversial question but we'll take a shot at it um so what's your take on using marvel mystery oil i have heard of it i've never used it but i have heard of it i don't even know what you're talking about never heard of that no i'm curious yeah i I mean i'm well i'm 100 willing to google it um so most of my small equipment stuff i use uh 10w30 diesel oil so you can buy 1030 10w30 diesel version oil Mm. that's what i use in everything right that keeps your costs low i bet well there's uh there's an answer for you dave we can't answer it. Maybe we'll come back to it yeah. later. I am look at it. Like I say, yeah. I've seen it in a store, but I've never, I've never used it. I've never picked it up and read the Was label or anything the like that. Fluid, <laughs> 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 um, no, so I, I, I don't know. Um, I, I don't look up on the new trends for oil um, myself personally. I personally use 10W30 diesel oil. It goes in everything, um, unless maybe a two-stroke, but that's it's a whole other conversation we're not even touching tonight. Um, two-stroke stuff, um, doesn't matter. Summer, winter, 10W30 diesel oil. You can buy four liter, four and a half liter jugs at Canadian Tire. That'll probably do what your lawnmower twice and your snowblower twice. Very cost-effective very uh, efficient oil. That's what so I tend to would... use. Good tip. Yep. So, sorry. so here would come the, 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 the oil question then, which I'm sure I'm surprised actually hasn't come up in the live chat. Uh, synthetic versus regular oil. <laughs> okay. I, I, I can talk about that too uh, a little bit, but I sure would love to hear what Pierre has to say. So synthetic, yes, way better. No ands or buts. Um, Cost association over lifespan of a lawnmower. I don't know if it's worth it. But that that was actually going to be my question: was was it worth it in a smaller motor for the the cost difference? 
so that that depends um you'd have to look at what a four liter jug of regular oil compared to synthetic oil and how many oil changes they're going to do um if that's not a question for you yes 100 percent synthetic oil way better um but here's the other trick don't buy oh well the synthetic oil is on sale today so put that in and then go back to regular oil if you decide to take that route on synthetic you have to stick with it okay that that's i mean we get it, it's i don't 100 percent understand it but it's just one of those rules if so you I go recently, synthetic you stay synthetic I, I recently watched a video and it was the chief engineer of the gtr motor that would be the nissan gtr motor who was asking who was answering this very same question what's the best thing to do for your motor and um beyond what i always say about everything which is rtfm that means read the manual you can figure out what the f means so beyond reading <laughs> the manual um i also listen to experts so in my manual for my generator my particular generator says that for extreme cold temperatures you might want to use synthetic oil versus the regular weight of oil so in my generator i immediately went synthetic and i've been sticking to it for um, the subsequent oil changes now that being said this nissan chief engineer of the gtr motor who is now retired this is exactly what he said and i've changed my habits because of him he said it is more important to change the oil frequently than it is to have a higher quality oil. So the example he says, if you've got uh, the same motor and you take your synthetic oil and you put it in there and you run it for 10,000 kilometers, um, your motor is not gonna last as long as if you ran regular conventional oil and swapped it out at 5,000 kilometers. And that's what he said he does in all of his cars. And that's what he recommends people do. So he recommends more frequent oil changes. And he even says you can even skip the fuel filter change every other oil change. It is more important to do frequent oil changes, uh, in his opinion. And the reason was that the amount of uh, buildup of pollutants in the oil is what breaks down the oil fastest. And it is that oil breakdown that will score and um, um, make, uh, what do they call it, burrs and um, cause a scarring on the sides of your cylinders. It is the breakdown of that oil. So it is better, according to him, again, I'm not an expert, I'm not an engineer, but when a Nissan chief engineer speaks up, I tend to listen. So mm -hmm. what he said was more frequent oil changes with the cheapest oil you can get your hands on. But do them frequently. Yeah. Don't let them go on later. I, I, um, I, yeah. That's yeah. I, in my opinion, my train of thought. If you go synthetic, stay synthetic. Um, that's just been a that that was a thing when I started at eighteen or sorry, sixteen, seventeen. When I did my co-op at a dealership, if you go to synthetic, stay synthetic. But yeah, if like that oil life monitor that every fucking vehicle has right now. Drives me bonkers. What do you mean I can drive 12,000 kilometers on the same oil I couldn't before? That's one of my things. Um, if I'm doing a lot of highway, I might stretch it out to six, 7,000 kilometers. 
but like I still go give or take five six thousand kilometers get my oil change oh but your oil life monitor says you're still at 70 percent no I don't trust it so I don't disagree yeah if if every first of the month you want to change your oil have at her you're you're not doing anything wrong to the engine you're not gonna cause harm to the engine if anything the only thing you're doing in my opinion is you're pushing off that big repair Hmm. right You're, you're just pushing you're kicking that can down the road if you don't do an oil change for three years you're gonna have to do an engine rebuild way more than someone that does an oil change you know twice a year now, since we're on the talk of, of um, engine life, and this mm-hmm. is one of the questions I had for it, so this is all dovetailing in really, really well. Um, beyond changing your oil at the prescribed intervals, which they all tell us we should do, and I try to do, I definitely do that with my generator. I've been um, pretty disciplined about that. However, what can we do beyond just oil changes, bud? Is, is there... Any other easy magic trick that we can start adopting? Easy, yes, um, to some extent. Um, every, I, I would say if you're in a very dusty environment, so you're using your generator up at your cabin, mm-hmm. it's very dry, lots of dust blowing around, and you run your generator, generator sorry, three hours a day because the sun's not greatest, so you're charging up your batteries. Every second day before you start it up, take your air filter out, put your cover back. So the cover that takes your air filter, take the air air filter out, put your cover back on so you don't get a bunch of dust past that filter. Tap that filter out. You'll get better Um, airflow, better efficiency, right? So remember when I said it was like, you need good airflow, you need good spark, you need good fuel. So using good fuel, go ahead, Jeff. No, no. I, the the oh. only other thing I was going to say is I, I, I've mentioned this when I talk about like generator stuff and that is the what people forget is, um, especially around generators and that, these are small engines. They're not designed to run for hours and hours and hours and hours and hours at a time. You know, if you've got a generator or, or a smaller motor, or, you know, you're, you're cutting your grass, whatever. Um, you know, I wouldn't run it for more than two or three hours and then you know what, stop for an hour, let it cool down, let, you know, yeah. let it sit. They're, they're not, they, they're not designed to be like a car motor where they run for 12 hours or 15 hours every day. They're just, they're not designed for that. They're you're not that big rig. You're talking about duty cycle here from what I'm, yeah. from what I'm hearing. Yeah. Yeah. So yep. that, yep. that manual that you were talking about, right? Like every yes. manual will have a recommended, you know, hour of service. So like, Mm-hmm. Um, say your generator, right? Let's take the ice storm in '98. That you know, people were out of power for more than a week. A generator, seventeen days. A generator is not designed to run for a week straight. Definitely not. There, there are duty cycles on it where it's like, okay, you should shut it down, let it cool down. So most generators and small motors don't have the cooling system of your vehicle. So they don't have coolant running through the motor they don't have a fan they don't have these things like if it gets past a certain temperature depending on the one you've got it may shut off on you or it's just going to start running extremely hot which will cause you way more repairs down the road 
So taking those duty cycles, like Jeff said, right? Like they're not designed to run non-stop. Good yes. advice. Good 100%. advice. 100%. If they're not designed to run more than, you know, let's say a day, like Generax, for example, right? Those standby motors that uh, are standby generators that people have hooked up to their house, mm-hmm. they're not designed to run for 17 days straight. Even though they're that standby and that's what they stand by that, oh, you do this, you do that, like they're good to go. They still have duty cycles where it's like they're not supposed to run for more than a day. You're supposed to shut them off. Let them cool mm-hmm. down, let them do their thing. And then, you know, which I'm sure there's a way to shut them down. Like, I, I, I don't have one. I, I want one, don't get me wrong. Um, but I don't have one where it's one of those things where it's just like you need to learn what um, what the max of your equipment, of whatever type of machine or equipment you have. You can't have something run for a week straight and expect it to work perfect when it's designed to cut a 20 by 20 lawn once a week. Good tip. Yes. And a, uh, a good uh, comment here again, Barrett seems to be our, uh, our resident expert in the, in the live chat, which is great. Uh, he says, make sure you're shaking up your oil jugs before you pour it out. A lube rep once told him uh, all the additives sink to the bottom and stick to the last bit of oil left in the jug. Ah, that's really if that is true, that is awesome to hear and, and to know. <clears throat> uh, two years ago, I went and we had some extra funds. I went and bought <clears throat> I want to say about 12 jugs of oil for the two vehicles that we have here and I'm still running through it and I had no idea of that that my my the Kia in the in the driveway right now is due for an oil change that's next weekend's project and uh, I still have some of that oil I'm going to go out tomorrow and flip it upside down start so, shaking the crap out of it make so, sure it's good to go so yes and no on this one so you're talking about a full size vehicle that normally takes a full jug of oil bare minimum yeah, I can see where you're going with that too. That, so if you're talking I about do, your lawnmower that takes 500 cc's or 500 milliliters of oil, where that four liter jug is going to last you eight oil changes. Yeah, long time. Um, if, if you're pouring the whole thing in, I mean, <laughs> yeah, sure, shake it if you want. But I mean, if the additives are all at the bottom, but they all end up in the motor, it's not going to be the end of the world, in my opinion. Well, yeah, I guess. But I do yeah. still have to do an oil change on the generator, so it takes but, the same oil. Yeah, but yeah, I mean, that's not bad. It's it's one of those things where, like, leave anything sitting around. Stuff's going to settle how it's done. Like, you know, leave, and, leave uh, your vinaigrette in the fridge and everything separates. Yeah, shake it, it it's up. Rough, it's roughly the same for oil. And Tom in the live chat here, I, I noticed he had mentioned earlier that he had a Generac generator and he made the comment that uh, apparently they they recommend you're supposed to check it every 24 hours. Yep. So I as you said, feeling. you know, yep. Because yep. most, most power outages don't last more than 24 hours, right? In a ballpark and the great scheme of things, like I woke up to no power this morning. So I had no coffee before I went to work. So I stopped and picked up coffee which I don't like because you pay for coffee and it's cheaper to make it at home. But we, we had no power. It They were doing maintenance somewhere. I was like, it's a Sunday. I was like, it makes sense. Do it on a Sunday morning. It was supposed to be back up by nine. Took extra time or whatever, but it's just, yeah, though that's what the Generacs are good for, um, especially depending what you've run on your program or on your Generac. If you've got some pumps and this and that, 
don't have to worry about this that um, you can at least get Wi-Fi because where I live I don't even have cell signal so I can't even get on the outage map if I got no Wi-Fi but yeah they they all have design time frames where it's like you should run it for this and then give it this much time to rest and recuperate or whatever so do that 100% very good tips there um, where can a fella like myself who's just basically got some high school shop class type education has maybe a socket set and um, you know a little bit of know-how beyond YouTube and the Haynes manual that I used to love at Canadian Tire they don't really publish those anymore what's a fella like myself to do and I know I'm not the only one there's a lot of other people out there who are wrenching on their own machines uh, where else do you think is a good source of information for us to learn uh, Can I jump in there for a second? Uh, Danny, I think it was in the live chat up here, said uh, he's found a lot of um, manuals and whatnot online. Oh, yes. Uh, sorry, Barrett. Barrett said it. Found a lot of manuals online. I've downloaded and printed off hard copies that I keep in my shop. Yep. Looking so for a generator manual recently for an Onan, which was bought by Cummings a few years back. I came across nothing for that. But I kept searching, kept searching, kept searching. I finally found something. I've downloaded it. I just haven't had a chance yet to look through it. But uh, I'll agree with Barrett. Look online. Yeah, look all yeah. over the place. So yeah, I do a lot of online searching. I'm, I'm talking about what if we're not online? So where can I learn it so that I don't go um, need it on demand, right? So my, my best advice um, for anybody that's like, hey, I want to try something, and you've got your 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 pinky in the repair things, <laughs> look around at your buddy's end of the driveway. He's got an old snowblower that won't run. Pick it up. Try go home out. and tinker. Yeah, go home and tinker. It doesn't cost you. Well, it's going to cost you whatever in materials. Um, if you've got to rebuild the motor fine whatever but i mean you're just going to do some spark plug you're going to take the carb apart and you're going to try and figure out how the carb works and how to put new seals in it right you got to order seals um, seals normally aren't that much right so you can easily dump 30 bucks 40 bucks maybe 50 right you can mm -hmm. probably figure out how to budget that for a motor that won't run that costs you nothing to pick up all that will teach you way more than watching youtube videos or reading, in my opinion, reading a manual. I read a manual awesome. and I'm like, I'm more confused the second I do it. Oh, now everything I read makes sense, right? That's I, exactly I, I, how it works for me. I'm only I, as good as getting my hands on. Um, yeah. So I'm always I, looking. Yeah, I'm 100%. Yeah. I'm 100% the same way. I'm. I'm. Yeah. You can put the manual in front of me and it you might as well make it Greek, but put my hands yeah. on it and Yep. And right. Yeah, so, I'll, for, I'll, for example, Jeff, great advice. Jeff, how Thank much you. you you bought that generator for a hundred bucks? How much money did you put into it? If you don't mind indulging, maybe thirty bucks. I bought a I bought a O ring kit for the carburetor and a little bit of cleaning and stuff like that. Maybe maybe thirty bucks tops. So so a hundred and thirty dollars a few hours. Got yourself a generator that's running. That's worth how much? He said he bought it for a thousand bucks. 
So, wow, right? So, how like, big is that? Like, I do like my return on investment. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So well just like that, that's my best advice. Someone that's got a generator or a lawnmower, they're like, ah, oh, this thing doesn't run. I'm buying a new one. Hey, I'll take it. E even if you, you don't even have the whole handle and everything, get the motor and the gas tank. If it's a lawnmower, make sure you got the shield for it or take the blade off. Or just get the motor running. Yeah. Take the spark plug out. Um, does it have spark? Does it have gas? Does it have air? And start tinkering. Worst comes to worst. If it's a freebie by the side of the road, it costs you nothing but time to try and it. It costs out you nothing way. to put it back at the road. Exactly. Put it back at the road. Great say, advice. This thing, this thing doesn't work. So, so that's my best advice. Um, yes, I will we say have, because we're online, YouTube's do the yeah, YouTube's. Yes. Now, YouTube's. now there's a really great comment here. I got to give a shout out to Brian Peters for this because uh, this actually happens to me often. Um, I end up talking to people like president company and uh he's saying find someone to mentor you he's been turning wrenches himself for 40 years and he's done that a lot and he says yep. we all have to learn somewhere and you know i have learned more from the people i talk to every day um, yep. when i was up north in the middle of nowhere and my atv was giving me headaches it turns out the fellow operating the sawmill was a former yamaha factory technician can you believe that <laughs> so small world yeah <laughs> so i learned so much from him i was picking his brain constantly i'd go by and go and pick his brain so that's really good advice um yeah, and 100%. and if i can add to his comment wouldn't that be a great kind of person to add to your personal mutual assistance groups that's why people like me yes because i can get almost anything it takes a lot for people to like you you know that <laughs> <laughs> It's either Great cooking advice. or, or engineering and mechanical skills. It's either oh, the yes. cooking or being able to fix stuff. Um, yeah. So, um, yeah, I, I'm I, I'm not gonna lie. I haven't seen it, whatever. But somewhere is it three years ago? Two lawnmowers in the landfill. He's still using them. Yeah. It costs you nothing to take it home. Whatever. If it costs you nothing to take it home, and it costs you ten bucks to dump it. Great point. Well, I've got a good learning opportunity here. Uh, John Bennett just asked a great question. He says, uh, why is my sled dead? And that's a great question, John. I'm not sure. When I paid and put, plunked my money down for it, it was running and it blew my hair back when I took it for a spin. And that's why I plunked my money down. But uh, then it sat for a few months and I went back to pick it up and the cord was a little shorter and uh, nothing was running. So... I've got some work to do. I got to diagnose yeah. what's happening and uh, then fix it. So yeah, a new adventure. We can work. Mm -hmm. We can work on that. I'll be using that. everything I've learned here today, and I'll probably be picking your brain some more, Pierre. Guaranteed, yeah. and I'm so, sure everybody here will see it on the chats too. I'll, I'll get once like my snowblower or and my lawnmower's <laughs> here. It's a lot easier. So I'm I'm very easy on like showing way more than explaining because I've been doing this for so long. So I will explain something like someone that knows the same brainwave as I'm going. And it's happened way too many times where I'm like, you know, someone couldn't get something started. And I was like, okay, bypass this switch. And, or if that doesn't work, bypass this switch. They're like, well, my Bluetooth doesn't work. I'll call you after. And I was like, okay. So he called me back 20 minutes later. I was like, he's like, it still didn't start. You bypass the switch. He's like, uh, yeah. I'm like, you didn't sound confident. I was like, do you know what I mean by bypass the switch? He's like, no. Oh. I'm like, okay, 
like so unplug it and you know stick a wire in it so i was like you make the circuit and he's like well i didn't want to feel stupid i was like is it stupider for you to ask me what i mean or for you to waste 20 minutes and then call me back <laughs> right like like it's one of those things where i'm like trust me like if if ask. if you're trying to learn from someone and he's calling you an idiot every second it's not worth learning but i was like no. anybody who's wanting to like pass on knowledge and you don't understand put your hand up and say explain better okay where did i lose you right i said these 20 words where in those 20 words where did i lose you you lost me number here two. okay great number two okay no problem <laughs> so if but if that person is wanting to teach someone right or wants to pass on any knowledge or tricks of the trade or whatever they will gladly just be like okay do you understand what i mean by this or what did you take away from that and it's like no that's not what i meant and they will gladly reformat how they are explaining to make it make sense to you 100 percent. no nobody if someone's gonna laugh at you because you were like oh you didn't understand the technical terms i was talking about and you normally sit behind a desk every day without a wrench in your hand and they've been doing it for 40 years like you found the wrong person to teach you how to do stuff 90 percent of people will want i mean brad has seen it where he had a machine at his house and we had a problem and we went there and i was talking to the guy i was like and i'm saying stuff and i was like do you understand what i mean and i was like i don't mean this as in you're an idiot it's just i talk in a very technical term that bare bones you have literally just under the terminology that i understand because i already know what the problem is right and he's like no i don't understand i was like where did i lose you it's like you lost me here i was like okay what i meant by the next part of this sentence is this. And he was like, oh, that's what you meant. I was like, yeah, that's it. And nothing against the person, nothing against anything. It's just everybody's brain works differently. Oh, yeah. So find yourself someone that can literally grab you by the hand and walk you through it. Like, it's not a bad thing to not understand everything. Half the battle is in voicing your question. Um, if you can do that and then the only stupid question is the one you didn't ask. Oh yeah. Most of the time I'm wondering where to ask. And, yeah. and if, if you go out and, and the reason I asked you that question, where can a fellow learn is I'm yeah. sure you've all had the experience of going online onto a, a forum. Oh, you ever, don't, you, don't, yeah. Go yeah, YouTube exactly. before you go forum. In my yeah, opinion. yeah that's YouTube what I do now because forum. I look through forum threads and I just oh. see your typical shameful human behavior. And I go, okay, I don't want to deal with egos right now. Yeah. <laughs> so I end up so, on YouTube. <laughs> so I, I always do, I always do my best advice for someone when I, they don't understand or they're unsure of something. I said, go YouTube it, type in what you're looking for. One of the first videos that pop up that makes sense or what you want, watch it, take your notes, go back, watch, five videos if three to four of them are saying the same thing you're probably going down the right path if you follow those instructions yeah. that's my two cents on i mean don't get me wrong i've youtube shit in the field where i'm just like well this is a new machine we haven't gotten 100 percent training i was like how do i get a john deere to start because i get this code right and 
it's bit me in the ass before and it's worked out for me. So I'm like, yeah, if you've got that two hour window where, you know, I've had it where daughter's in bed and the wife's like, I'm tired. And I'm like, I got three hours to myself. I was like, pour myself a glass and I've got something. I go on the used tubes and next thing you know, I'm down a whole other rabbit hole where I've watched 60 videos and I can rebuild <laughs> the exact same bolt 20 different ways. <laughs> Right? I know how you feel, man. <laughs> YouTube is good for that. It yeah, is. It, so it is. So I'm like, so YouTube is a good basic of, you know, getting, you know, find those videos that literally break down every step. Good things. Not just this guy with his hands going like mine right here. And it's like, look, it's running now. Right. Like the, the people that break it down, um, I could probably do it. I don't have the patience for it. I don't think I have the technical aptitude to do things like this um but it's not a bad resource i've used it and i've been doing this for 18 19 years and i still use it something boggles me youtube something hey it worked or it didn't work and i gotta use other resources you know people i work with or um just trial and error and trial and error will come with experience and oh, time yes. of trying things and yeah, even and even when it didn't work you still learned something yeah, that's right yeah, i learned not to fucking try that again because that was a waste <laughs> of an hour <laughs> but you're paying the hour so who cares yeah, yeah. Okay. I, I found that along the way when i go through rtfm i learn a ton of stuff i hadn't been looking for but now mm -hmm. i feel smarter about the machine i'm using and so it's and, never bad to start from that point going yeah, to find the manual online reading it and, and then usually you might find that you have the smarter question so that when you do approach the SME, their subject matter expert, they're not asking you to convert your baby words to adult technical words. Uh, you're presenting them with adult technical words that yeah. allow them to go straight to the answer. Um, and, so, yeah. And, and I, not even that. So best advice I've ever gotten. So I'm a horrible person and I'm a smoker. And I, I did repairs where I'm like, I'm trying to put power steering lines back on a steering rack. And if anybody has ever done power steering lines on a steering rack, they're solid steel lines. And you, everything has to line up perfectly for those threads to work. And I'm covered in oil. And I'm working for an hour. And I curse and swear. And I'm throwing wrenches. And I was like, I'm going for a smoke. I go for a smoke, come back, boom, lines thread right back in. So if you start going down that rabbit hole where nothing's working and you're starting to get frustrated, take there's nothing wrong with going to just take a break, go get some fresh air, go grab a cup of coffee. You know, if you don't smoke, fine, go, go look on, go look at a YouTube video, but just taking yourself away from a scenario and then coming back with a fresh set of eyes can make a world of difference. I worked Fantastic. when I, when I was an apprentice, first year apprentice, Try it. This person couldn't figure out why this machine wouldn't or this car wouldn't start. This that, and oh, I, I think it's a fuel pump issue. This that, and he's trying to get all technical and be all smart with us. And me and the other apprentice are standing there and everything. And he's like, you know, he's trying to chase wires. So he's like, okay, so probe your wires so you can cut out sections of the wire so you don't have to go through the firewall or go underneath seats and this and that. And both of us are standing there and we're like. You think it might be that broken wire right there that might be the problem? He he he'd gone too deep in that rabbit hole and everything. That 
he didn't just take a second to just walk by and see like the, the wire was literally dangling right there and I'm like, yeah you're looking for a green wire it's broken right there buddy rule number one always check the wires yeah but right don't so cut the red one, one. Uh, or or do depending if they want to trick you mm. right but great, great advice that, all around taking that thing um so I, I do want to touch on quick tool breakdown. Very simple, cost-effective. I want to say 100 to 125 bucks. You can get fully set up to pretty much check any small engine stuff. Decent socket set. Um, whether you want to go quarter, three-eighths, I would avoid half. Um, I go strictly three-eighths on everything I do. I don't do a lot of small engine stuff. I do normally two-cylinder stuff. So if you want to talk single-cylinder, uh, your snowblower or whatever, some of it might be bulky. So if you're going to go strictly lawnmower, snowblower, leaf blower, stuff like that, quarter-inch socket set, not a bad thing. I will say going metric as well as imperial will save you a giant headache because when things aren't rusty... Yes, 10 and 3 eighths are interswappable. When everything is rusty, 10 and 3 eighths will strip. You put a 10 on the 3 eighths, you're going to round it out, you're going to curse and swear. So if you can, whether it's a quarter inch or a three, uh, um, quarter or 3 eighths kit, you don't have to get every socket known to man. Um, most small engine stuff, uh, you can go up to like, 13 and be good i think that's about right yeah right maybe, like, maybe 15 for sort of some larger bolts yeah, like, and that, that's to like take the handle off because you got to get your yeah. carb off and yeah. you know like i had to take half my snowblower apart to take the carb off why just just because the bolt was like uh this long to take the carb off and the handle was in the way so i had to take the handle i, I had to take a bunch of stuff off um so set you're comfortable with using an extension a few different size extensions a short one a long one yeah sure uh splurge a little bit get yourself a swivel socket mm. you guys know what that is very those useful. things are godsends oh, yeah. yeah it is so now you can kind of work on a 45 and yeah, the sort of an angle. Yeah. yeah yeah you can get work yourself on angles um allen key in torques little eve sets um the allen keys and the torques uh most small stuff have allen keys and torques on them you don't need the fancy dancy ones you don't need the crazy fancy ones um just something mostly your mostly imperial for small engine stuff is imperial not metric yeah you'd be good with that um spark plug sockets um the small and the big one so there's two sizes for small spark plugs get both sizes they'll cost you a few bucks each just have them throw them in the thing most things uh like two-stroke stuff like you're still your steel stale whatever however they pronounce it will come with a wrench that'll take the spark plug out um but buy those you can get almost anything um splurge the ten dollars and buy yourself a spark plug tester ah. this thing is the cat's ass so there's other ways of testing if you have spark from your spark plug this one prevents you from having that little tickle <laughs> so you're literally 
take your spark plug off or spark plug cap off you put this apparatus on your spark plug and you plug it in here and when you start the machine or you try and start you'll see a little spark and it tells you yes you have spark i have seen those those are yeah, no, really cool like literally princess yeah. auto they're like 10 to 20 dollars yeah. yeah, those are, are really cool i didn't know they existed until last yeah. year yeah no 100 they, they prevent you from like putting soap and holding a screwdriver to it and like seeing the spark or getting zapped like yeah. there's ways to test it other than that my opinion well worth the 20 dollars saves you a boatload of fine-tuning this that um great advice and depending on what you've got you've got a ride on lawnmower and it's got a few spark plugs or sorry not spark plugs fuses um uh fuse tester um i don't know what's the test light test light there you go that's what it is hook it up to positive or negative you can find current you can check your switches you can do this that you can even find the one that you hook up to both and it'll tell you if you've got positive or negative so you don't even have to figure out which side of the circuit you need they're fairly cheap 50, 30 to 40 to 50 dollars maybe 30 to 50 let's say on uh amazon you hook it up positive negative green light means you've got this red light means you've got this i can't remember which one's which for positive uh positive circuit or uh ground circuit yeah, I think they're cheap. good for continuity testing too, right? Uh, depending which one you buy, yeah. Yeah, those are um, good to have. Multimeter, yeah. The bunker just said multimeter. I was like, hundred percent. Um, yeah. Big. If you want to splurge a little bit, um, find yourself a multimeter that'll do AC as well as DC. So some of the equipment I work on um, is a Kohler motor which has two cylinders and it runs cool and it's got this little weird apparatus on the side so it runs on um uh what's the word it's not an alternator it's a generator stator sometimes they stator them. stator yes thank you jeff a stator system so that convert so it comes out in ac volts and can and then i've there's a uh, regulator that converts it to DC volts to charge the battery. So on my machine, if I need to boost the machine, I always got to boost the machine so I can check, okay, what's my volts on the battery? I've got eight volts. Boost it, start it. Regular, if you've got an actual battery, it should be 13 to 14 volts. It's only running at 12 volts. So then I can check, okay, is it my stator where I need to t take apart half the motor or is it just the regulator on the side? So I can switch from ac to dc volts and check what's the voltage coming out at ac current and what's the voltage coming out at dc current so that's going fancy for a lot of the stuff we're talking about because your snowblower and your lawnmower and your leaf blower they don't even have stators they don't have alternators they don't even have batteries for most true right but it, it's one of those things where i'm like it's not crazy expensive to get something like that but to have it if you want to dabble into getting into your vehicle or other things yeah 100 uh, percent i you bought get one my first I, I bought my first multimeter to check voltage levels on battery cells you know double a's mm -hmm. 
C's and D's. <laughs> so that's how I got started with it. And very quickly, I learned that I could do all kinds of things with this. Yeah. And back in the day, we had these things called books. And there was a little book on how to use a multimeter, and it just blew my mind. And I still yeah. haven't learned more than a quarter of what's in that book, but I feel so much smarter having learned a quarter of what's in the little See, booklet. So I, I was an automotive apprentice, so the Snap-on guy showed up, and the Mac tool truck showed up. So I bought a $600 oh, one. It came with oh. a disc. Oh wow! So you put it in the computer and it showed you how to use it. Yeah, okay, that's a like, fancy yeah. multimeter, right? And then, uh, and then you can get into getting amp clamps and this that. Oh yeah, ninety percent oh. of this doesn't apply to anything. So if you've got to write a lot more, that you got a turnkey. Fine, yeah, hundred percent. Don't even think about it. Get something that'll work. AC DC system. But totally for your lawnmower, everything else, um, just a regular multimeter. You can buy them. Wait till they go on sale. Um, Pat in the bunker yeah. said he picked one up for 20 bucks on Amazon. Yeah. Like that's the right price. It, yeah. Like you don't need the $600, fluke one no. that can tell you how far or, or the whole system that'll tell you how far the break is in the wire. And the, yeah, exactly. Like you don't need that <laughs> no, unless no. like you do it for a living hundred percent. Don't, oh, don't sure. get me wrong. Right. But what we're talking about is just simple, basic stuff. Um, Everything you have, your snowblower, your this, that, I would say bare minimum. You have one air filter for everything, two spark plugs for everything. If it requires a filter, bare minimum, one spare filter, always on hand. Great advice. You use one. I'm not saying you got to like Amazon next day delivery the next one. <laughs> but before you use the next one, um, it, it's fairly easy for spark plugs for that ceramic coating to get cracked and this, that, um, where they don't work efficiently anymore and they start running like a bag of shit. And if they start real, if they start running real bad, like you ever use the machine and left it on like full, like half choke and realize the amount of exhaust, like puff that comes out that exhaust for the next three hours after you realize that right so yeah um <laughs> other cheap maintenance um take your spark plug out um carb cleaner is another good thing learn how to take your carb apart learn how those seals work learn how the internal components work carbs are not complicated chokes are not complicated chokes are most and throttles are mostly cables um but just learning so i was literally in a snowbank taking my car apart because i didn't do the proper maintenance and my bowl was stuck shut so even though my gas was on no gas was getting in my, into my car so there's a little part where gas fills up and then the vacuum causes gas to get blown yeah i'm literally in a snowbank with all my tools and I had to take like half my half my snowblower apart just to get the carb out because they decided to put a bolt that was like six inches long, right? Holding it on and everything was in the way. So I'm like in a snowbank while it's snowing, taking my carb apart. I'm like, it's on me. But yeah, it was just things got gummed up. Things got this. Things got that. Yeah, it took me two and a half hours to take it all apart, take it in the garage, warm everything up. Don't throw out old soft toothbrushes. Hmm. 
throw those in your kits for your maintenance. Clean up the car cleaner. Oh, yeah. Clean out that bowl. Clean out some of those seals. Get an extra pack of seals. Um, everybody knows carb cleaner is good. A lot of people will replace carb cleaner with brake cleaner, which is not bad. But there's two leading side effects to brake cleaner, which no man wants to hear. Infertilization and impotency. The third one is it will dry out rubber seals. Very bad. Brake clean's good. It works. But there's side effects to it. You want to dry out all the seals, you're going to have to have a seal kit with you. Another okay. thing to have in your tool kit is a small, you know those really dinky water bottles that are only about this big that you pay like crazy amount for? <laughs> Go buy one and throw it in your kit. You're ever unsure if it's fuel related? Put fuel in that thing. Put your inlet hose in it. Can you get it started? Yeah? You're not getting fuel to it. That's what I, I have one in my truck. I put a sharp well, I put a Sharpie marker on it. That that's my gas one. If I ever have something, I put diesel in it, I put gas in it, doesn't matter what I put in it. I can bypass the whole system and say, can I direct inject diesel into this? Yep. I know what the pro I know where to start my diag. Good. All right, well, um, yeah. you've got some really good advice today. Anybody from the panel or in the live chat got any last questions? It, we've been almost an hour and a half. It's been a lot of good information. So anybody got any last minute questions or comments? None on this end. I've got enough to chew on here. This is great stuff. <laughs> yeah, Thank I you, Pierre. Yeah, I'm just like, wondering. And thanks to our uh, to our guests here who are joining in. We got lots of great stuff from our yeah. listeners tonight. And I'm just I, wondering I, if uh, this would be worth doing another episode of Small Engine stuff in the spring. Yeah, we can um, always we can always look at that or follow up on it. Yeah, I'd I'd like to figure out. So I'll have to get the frugal gunny over to figure out how to set up my my cameras, and we we can get more hands-on or get more in-depth with things. Uh, there's lots of stuff I didn't mention about just because I'm like, I don't want to lose people down a rabbit hole of like nothing to show, <laughs> right? Like yep. I get confused and yeah. Yep, That'll no be problem. perfect. Maybe I'll bring the snow machine and we'll get the cameras rolling. I'm down, buddy. You, you got the new address, right? No, but I'll be <laughs> coming there soon. You're doing some moving, so. Which is true. So, well, I guess if we've got no more further questions or comments, we can move into the podcast challenge. So uh, I don't know. I tried to figure out a way to word the podcast challenge, but basically I said, get your small engine stuff, uh, get your engines ready either for winter or ready to store for the winter. Yeah. So, and, and now's the time to look for that lawnmower. Someone doesn't want to bother storing because it's no good. Go swoop it up. Good and, idea. And also, the, uh, also the snowblower 
that somebody has gone ahead of it and tried to get yep. theirs running and it's not working. It might yep. be sitting at the end this, of the driveway too that you can play with. It, it you know, try it out. And yep. worst goes worse, you're going to fail. It's going to go back to the road or, or some person that knows what they're doing is going to pick it up from you for either free or at least the parts you put in it and they're going to get it up and running and sell it for a bunch of money. Grab it, try it out. It's nothing's going to kill you. And John in the live chat says he did three oil changes today on equipment. So challenge accepted. Yeah. If you did it before we gave you the challenge, doesn't count. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> You're still at zero, bro. <laughs> uh, my, my record is 18 at five different. Uh, one, two. Yeah. You guys went nuts yeah, on five. that trip. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I uh, we did twenty three in two days at seven different locations, all within four hours of each other. Wow. Yeah, I spanked, buddy. Don't worry. Well, about all, that. all kidding aside, all kidding aside, John, good job. We'll give you credit. Yeah, well done. Hundred percent. Yeah, no. Um, it, it's that time so, of year. It's starting to get cold. Think ahead of time. Yeah. You don't want to be me in the snowbank taking your car <laughs> apart. <laughs> Actually, we do, and we do want the YouTube on that as well. Mm. It's not going to be on YouTube, buddy. Fuck you. I don't have anything for any upcoming events. Anybody have anything they're aware of? We're not in there. No. I mean, snow's not far away. Get your shit ready. Yep. Okay. Uh, so for my weather blurb, we'll get into the uh, bit of winter stuff. Um so in Canada, both the old uh, Farmer's Almanac, you can knock it, you can believe it, you can't, that's totally up to you, I'm not getting a fight with you. And NOAA, so the uh, National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration are both predicting a colder than average winter across most of the provinces. They've nicknamed it Winter Whiteout, being the theme for the upcoming snowy regions. Uh, regions such as British Columbia, Alberta and the prairies can expect frigid temperatures and increased chances of snowfall. Um, we've got a link in there. I'll throw it in the live chat. Uh, a lot of this is being caused by El Nino and it is, uh, strong and it is here to stay for the winter months. Uh, there's a decent chance that it's actually probably going to stick around and influence our weather straight into the spring. Uh, not only will we head into the cold season with this pattern of above, sorry, above normal water temperatures in the Eastern Pacific, uh, but forecasters have uh, kind of said there's not an insignificant chance that this El Nino could grow to a, quote, historically strong uh, before long. Strong El Nino events can have major repercussions on global weather patterns. And the unprecedented global temperatures around the world uh, can make this El Nino unlike any we've seen before. But as we've seen before, uh, this year and... A lot of other years, um, it will play out on its own terms and with its own quirks. Weather's its own thing. We can't control it. We can't know what it's going to do. It's not just the Pacific Ocean that's unusually warm right now. Oceans around the world are facing unprecedented warmth this year, uh, which is a major wild card for the upcoming season. So just pay attention, obviously, to your weather. I keep saying it. Don't be scared. Be prepared. You know, you don't want to be that Pierre in the snowbank when you've got all that snow trying to fix your snowblower. So uh, at least not for at least six ninety nine per customer view. 
<laughs> so uh, get out there and get it done. Uh, deal of the week, Brad. Canadian Tire, 25% off a Noma LED outdoor solar motion light. Uh, fifty-two fifty down from seventy dollars. Uh, I have two of them outside. One is on my shed. One is on a post. They shine brightly. Um, plenty of times that the sun has not been the best during the day, and they'll still last for a good long while at night. Especially like at least if you don't have a lot of things moving around. When you do, they they light up the night, and then there, there's no power from you. So they work nicely at uh, in a power outage too to let you know if anybody's creeping up on you. Right on. Uh, I will shout out to Pierre for his uh, expertise, or he says he's not an expert. He's a lot smarter than than <laughs> I am, and so I, I consider. I, that did, I didn't well. even put show notes together for tonight. Yeah, yeah, you're that you're that smart. We know. Um, yeah. Thanks, <laughs> no. Pierre, for. Uh, <laughs> For, yeah. for throwing some good knowledge on us and some good ideas and uh, yeah. to the panelists uh, and the people in the live chat for your questions. I think uh, there were a lot of good questions out there. So with that, I will bring episode 218 of the Canadian Pepper Podcast to an end. You can find the uh, audio podcast on iTunes, uh, Spotify, or your favorite podcast app. Please submit a review. It helps the algorithm and helps other people find us. We record these shows on YouTube or Bookface if you must. If you want an early peek of the show, subscribe to YouTube channel, Canadian Prepper Podcast, not Canadian Prepper. It's a whole different ballgame we're not getting into. And click the notification tab. That gives you an alert when we go live. You can talk. Con oh, thank you, Jeffrey. <laughs> uh, you can contact me off the wall customizing on pretty much all the socialist medias. Thank uh, you to talk. Uh, I am on the Discord for this CPP, but I have been on it so long, there's too many notifications, I'm scared now, so uh, you can private message <laughs> me on there. Um, or Monday nights, where you can find me critiquing government and having a bunch of drinks on the other CPP, the Patriot Podcast, on YouTube, at least for now, until we get banned again. Or <laughs> officially, I don't know. Yes. <laughs> and you can find me, the Frugal Gunny, on YouTube. I'm on Rumble, Facebook, Instagram, and I'm also in the CPP Discord. If anybody wants to reach out, batbradcpp at gmail.com. And I'm also on the Discord as well. And please check out Rapid Survival at rapidsurvival.com. You can get Eric there. You obviously noticed that he uh, decided to duck out on us tonight. Uh, get him there on the live chat for all your proper gear is, needs. Is that Ian? Is that second Ian? Could almost be Ian squared. Yeah. yeah, yeah could be. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you can, uh, if anybody wants to reach out to me, you can email me just at feedback at prepperpodcast.ca. So thanks for joining us. Until next time, be prepared, stay safe. And keep learning.